1: Greg, what's up buddy, how are you? Doing good, Matt.
0: It's good to see you in person. We're here together, uh, live and in in action.
1: Yeah, totally, man. It's been a minute, I think it was worth the wait. We've got an unusual kind of recording venue today. I love it. This
0: is one of my favorite places of of our recent recordings, at least in terms of being present somewhere that's a little bit unique. Um, Maybe you could describe to the folks where we are. All I can see right now is I'm surrounded by wooden boxes and racks from floor to ceiling of bottles.
1: Yeah, so this is, and we've actually recorded here once before. This is Vendome Wine and Spirits in Arcadia, California. So we a lot of our stuff, right, is centered on Southern California and San Gabriel Valley, and this is one of our favorites. I mean, there's you know more than one, but that clearly this is a a regular stop for us. Just a fantastic place to come. I mean, it's a bottle shop, but. It's more. I mean, right the front of the house basically is an actual sit-down, like, tasting room bar for, at any given time, probably six or eight really good pours for beer. They have wine on tap to taste, Um, a really fantastic, like, uh, tequila and mezcal selection, really good brown booze, lots of amazing craft beers, including local beers. And this room, there's another one like it right next door. This is basically his library room. So this is... Kind of a separate room that is for the really high-end selection of wine. So if you kind of look on the wall here, we're looking at old vintage Inglenook. We're looking at um, you know the higher end Phelps, higher end Dow. Yeah, there's a bottle of Gaia in here. It's a fantastic big Italian red wine. Um, just all the good stuff. You know, if you uh, if you like Montrachet, that's in here. There's you know Opus One and Silver Oak and and all that stuff. So it's a fun spot. I think the only thing that's and it smells great too. It smells it?
0: fantastic. All the all the wooden crates that the, the these great bottles come in are here with us. So it's got an awesome aroma.
1: Yeah. So. I don't know. It's just a pleasure to be in here. The only thing is, it's just acoustically, it's a little different. But, you know. We're you're here I, with us. You're, yeah, you're, we'll, We're all together in this. <laughs> we'll live with us. Although, see, this is, so this speaks to me. I love this. But just for Aroma, the next time, if this recording session works out well, and thanks to Charles from Vendome for letting us do this. But right next door, the other library room is basically the humidor, and that smells even better. Yeah, no, you're right about that.
0: You're right about that. This is a great little spot. Um, if you're in and around town, you should definitely stop in and see uh, uh, our friends, the proprietors. Um, and I told my wife on the way out if she needed a you know a Vietnamese coffee, this is this is the spot to grab it from, too.
1: Yeah, you know what? That's um, not too... Uh, Sell them short on that note, too. You know, they've got forged Coffee here. They're not paying us, by the way, folks. We're just, you know, uh, uh, friends and family here. But the the coffee is fantastic here. The Vietnamese coffee here is fantastic. It's right next to the Gold Line light rail train station. So, you know, they, at least pre-COVID era, um, a lot of the kind of the, the yuppie foot traffic in this area. This is a bedroom community of Los Angeles, pretty affluent area. People would come and uh, grab coffee before they hop on the train and head downtown.
0: You know, and I'll say this too: I have we've we've had some discussions you and I about this, and I think we've been doing it sort of informally. And it doesn't mean we need to formalize anything by any stretch. But we've had a, a sort of desire to to highlight some of our favorite SoCal and, and kind of local Los Angeles metro area businesses, proprietors, you know, things like that. And so this is sort of in the same vein and something we like doing because. We we support, you know, these small businesses and, and some of these people and, and think it'd be a great thing to share what they're doing with others.
1: Yeah, we know, I mean, not that we're the biggest podcast in the world. Um, Second biggest, perhaps. Yeah, maybe. 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 <laughs> it's it's Joe Rogan. Uh, oh, he's Adam, in some hot water. Adam though. Carolla, we're then not. us. But then... Um, Yeah, we know from kind of looking at the data that a significant chunk of our followership are here in in California or pass through California frequently. So you're right. We want to, as much as possible, highlight the ADs, kind of the support networks, the best restaurants, the best breweries, the best bottle shops. You know, certainly Mission Wine and Spirits is another great one here in this area. And yeah, that seems like a, a fun thing to do as part of our podcast. So anyhow. Yeah, no, it's pretty
0: fun. So what else is new? I mean, you know, we just, we're obviously in a really fun spot right now, a place that we appreciate and a different place to be in person together,
1: but what's new with you? What's going on in your life? Dude, uh, things are, things are looking up, you know, I'm hoping, I mean, we got rid of our, our outdoor mask mandate at least. Right. <laughs> well, I'm not sure why we had that in the first place, but at least that's gone. My kids are allowed to go to recess now without a mask. That's fantastic. <laughs> Do they, can they eat, eat, eat lunch without, yeah. I don't know. I have to look at the Don't sit in the corner.
0: Yeah. Anyway,
1: hopefully, though, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Um, Yeah, things are are okay. Why don't we do a quick wrist check, port check?
0: Yeah, so uh, I think we might dive into this, pun intended. Yes. Um, But I have on the SPB 149, which I think I also had on for our last episode. The reason is I have it on loan from a bro, and that bro is sitting across the table from me. Matt, thank you. Um, He continues his dive watch inception. Him and our illustrious friend Jason Heaton, maybe a few others who are—they're—they're uh, um, they're, they're committed to making sure there's a dive watch either on my wrist at some point or in the in the box, and um, and I'm here for it. It's awesome. I have it right now on this um, this blue gray NATO, which is courtesy of our friends um, at Hovig's Natalie Hovig Supply Shop, another LA institution, and um, this blue gray really works yeah. because. You know, you've got the blue. How would you describe the dye? Everybody knows this watch. I'm not. This is not groundbreaking, but it's like a slate blue,
1: like a gray blue. Yeah, the the one four nine. It's not a bright blue by no. any means. Not heavily saturated. Um, it is. It is a dark kind of a flat blue. And yeah, I think it, that works very well on that strap. It, it like you said, it's got a little more blue to it than a typical gray NATO. Yeah. Um, and it, that looks. I think that looks
0: great. It's pretty stellar. It's pretty stellar. I mean, it works on a lot of things. I just had it on a like a Bond style um, parachute, you know, elastic, in uh, sort of the M, you know, Erika's M N yep. kind of uh, uh, style from B and R bands, and that looks good too. Um, but this this might be might be the way to go, at least for for me.
1: The Skin Diver, I think, is a winner on just about anything, but it, it's especially good on a NATO and that H case, you know, kind of 60s specific skin diver case just looks perfect yeah i love it this has been i'll tell you man it has been on the wrist a lot good good i'm glad (laughs) to hear it i'm glad to hear it it's um you talked about you know being incepted into the dive watch fam we're going to talk about some dive watches uh a little bit as part of kind of the main topic but i'm hoping you like it and you know somewhere um along the line, you know, you find one that, that strikes you and that, that works well kind of with your aesthetic and, and how, you know, you want to wear something like that.
0: It's become, um, you know, I, I, early on in my watch collecting, I used to think, oh yeah, I have to have, you know, check the box, right? The diver, the chrono, the pilot, the field. And I don't feel so much like that anymore, but to your credit, and I think to the credit of how fun having, you know, a dive watch on just from the aesthetic, from the sort of you know the fidgety nature of being able to play around with a bezel, and just sort of the all-around you know mentality that it can handle almost everything you're gonna throw at it. This has reinserted itself back into the check that one off and make sure yeah. you have something um, in the in the glass. I have uh, Mumford, uh, which is L.A. based, I believe, right? I think it is um, Mumford. You know, how about how about if I check? Yeah, yeah, check the big board. Um, this is the Schwartzbeer five point two percent. Um, Matt's going to help me on my, on my sort of, uh, Germanic beer classification. That essentially means dark lager. Yes. And, um, it's kind of complimentary to Matt's pour, to your pour today, bud, because you also have this kind of fest beer, October fest beer going. And so I went the dark route, um, and I think you went a slightly different route. This is really interesting. Um, I'm enjoying, uh, the, the sort of, you know, it's not as malty as I might expect. Um... And it's got sort of those dark undertones that I might uh, expect from from you know what you would expect from a dark lager. I think it was 5.2 percent, so it's it's a pretty easy drinker. And um,
1: you know it's kind of a gray day here in SoCal, so this this fits. I don't know. I feel like we're still in winter weather. Yeah, we've got a cold front coming through. It is supposed to be uh, rainy a little bit later. Maybe it's raining outside now. For all I know, um, and we're supposed to have about three days of rain. So that's a great choice. And Mumford is from LA. I just did check the big board. you were right. Um, yeah, I think that's a, a really good one. We Just by way of background, we were kind of deciding which to pick. And it was like, well, if you get that one, I'm getting this or vice versa. <laughs> Almost when you're with your partner and you say, what are you ordering for dinner? Yeah. And you say, well, you get this one, I'll get this one. And we're going ch- to pick from each other's glasses. Yeah, exactly, exactly. We're not picking from each other's glasses, but it was complimentary nonetheless. Yeah, totally. Well, as far as me, I am, uh, I am pretty much in, in basic watch bro mode. Um, today, I am wearing... The Tudor Black Bay 58, the original. So this is the gilt dial black. Um, and just not much to say about this watch that hasn't been said already. It, it is just an ideal wrist companion all the time. It's great on everything. I know some people don't really like the faux rivets. I could probably live without them, but it's not a deal breaker by any means. I love that watch. Goes pretty much anywhere, everywhere. Any kind of circumstances looks good. Right now, today, I've got kind of like a gray sweater. And uh, yeah, it's perfect. And then in the glass, like you said, I went slightly lighter, but it's still pretty full-bodied beer. This is the Bottle Logic. Bottle Logic is, again, a, a really avant-garde brewer here in Southern California. They're in Orange County. And they do a lot of really, really big, really um, highly flavorful project beers. But this is a little more stayed a little more pedestrian. This is their take on a fest beer. So it's like a, you know, Märzen style, um, a little, uh, I would think a little crisper and a little bit less malt than I'm used to with this kind of beer, but very flavorful. The color on it is great. It's like that perfect kind of copper color. So a little bit more, um, you know, that orange copper compared to a typical, you know, yeah. like a, uh, a, a lager or pilsner, um, not super hoppy. This is about 5.8%. I like this one a lot. And it's uh, not like the bottle logic that I drank with Bro Dinky where I was flying by the end of that. I think that was like 11%. So here's to you. And speaking of beer, how about that uh, How about that Rams game last week? Ooh, how about them Rams? Whose house? It's Rams house. Rams me. house.
0: Uh, shout out to the Whiskey and Watches podcast. And all the uh, fine gents uh, over there, and and all their <clears throat> their homies, and at Red Bar Cincy, and in, in the greater Cincinnati area, it was a fun. It was fun. We we, we you know we were brought together. You know we we obviously interact a lot, uh, um, and, and appreciate what they do, and 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 love what uh, what they've been up to. But it made it was made clear to us by some mutual friends, Rodinky being one, Curtis, GMT, chrono dive. Uh, out here and uh, it was an LA versus Cincinnati Super Bowl. and yep. when you have two of the biggest watch podcasts in the world
1: <laughs> based yes. in
0: those two cities, it's only natural that we put a wager, something friendly but meaningful on the game.
1: Yeah, so I think the bottom line is um, despite all of the the frenzied texting back and forth <laughs> on the, the multiple podcasts have a, uh, a shared text stream. We, you know we talk behind the scenes and we're friends. And It was like, oh, I don't know, are we gonna win? First score, first blood to us. Oh, I don't know. It Looks like you guys are, are coming on strong, you know. And then that last quarter was all about the Rams. So anyhow, it was, it was fun. a good game.
0: It was it was a good game. It was fun. Um, shout out to you know the Bengals and all their fans. That was a pretty that was a damn fine season. Uh, I thought it was a really enjoyable game, quite frankly. As, as far as Super Bowls go, they we've been actually blessed with some good Super Bowls over the last few years. Uh, you know, ten fifteen years ago, there was a bunch of stinkers, and they've been pretty good lately. And um, hey. Halftime
1: show was really good, too. Yeah, it was yeah, definitely not a blowout. you know it was good to see two sort of I guess I would say you know, halfway through the season, even up to the you know the early part of the postseason, I would have thought both of these teams were underdogs, but great to see the two of them matched up. I would have honestly been happy no matter who won from that lineup. and as you said, the uh, the halftime show was one of the best in recent memory. I thought it was fantastic. yeah. so anyhow, that is that. I'm gonna have a sip of beer, wet my whistle here. Yeah, you know we're recording here on
0: a on a what is lo- a long weekend for some, and um, so you know I've I've had the pleasure of being off for a couple of days, and I have I have off again tomorrow. Um, we have got a wedding, which is pretty fun, a midweek wedding, and um, so I'm I'm flying high. I'm ready to have fun today. We got a great set of topics. I think we're going to have
1: fun catching up together in person. Yeah. we got a great setting and um, let the beers flow. I'm here for it. Absolutely. Well, hey, let's, you know, this is really kind of a check-in episode. We had a little bit of time off. Um, we're, you know, back into the swing here and we don't want to try to be slavishly devoted to the, the watch drops and try to cover each and everything and all of that. But there there is a watch that was announced last week that's really near and dear to my heart and that is the Easy EZM13. And I think they're calling this the EZM13.1. So this is a, a slightly updated, basically they've taken the EZM13 and done with it what they did with the EZM3. So if you're familiar with that watch, Greg, the EZM3 was a dial that's very similar to, I think one of the best tool watches ever made, which is the EZM1. EZ M1 is kind of a, a military inspired tool chronograph, a dive chronograph. It's the Lemania 5100 movement. So you have that center mounted chronograph seconds and minutes. Super cool. It's like that Tutima. Um, and the dial is just super sterile. You know it's just it's white and a black flat background. It's almost like a gray you know matte finish. The EZM3 is very similar to that, but the original watch had, you know, um, Arabics mm-hmm. around the mm-hmm. inside of the dial. Well, they made a Flieger version, and I don't know what made it Flieger other than the fact that they just made the, the bezel bi-directional. But they did away with the numbers, and a lot of people really like that iteration of the watch better. Just it's cleaner, it looks more like the EZM1. So Zinn basically pulled the EZM13 a few years ago And I was really sad about that because our friend Jason had one of those and he was wanting to sell it. He let me take it for a test drive for about a month. I I just wasn't in a position to buy it at the time, but I really wanted it. I tried to broker deals for him. (laughs) Anyway, I'm glad I waited because they've essentially re-released this watch. And it's basically identical except that they have done away with, they've deleted the... You know the white um, print numerals around the inside of the dial, so you know the one, two, three, four, all the way through twelve. That's been done away with. It's just cleaner looking, and it's got that stark white, black, and then really, really—I um, don't know what you what you'd call it. It's kind of a sin trademark though for the EZM watches, and the EZM these are uh, Einsatzzeitmesser, you know, so that's a like a mission timer would be the kind of the loose translation of that. And they use this almost like a blood red um, you know, color for certain parts of the, the print on the dial text. And it's so dark that you have to kind of look for it. And it's just a phenomenal watch. It's Destro. Um, I love that configuration. The, there's a lot of different sort of theories. I mean, some people say, oh, you know, you're gonna put the, on a big watch, you wanna put the crown on the left side so that it doesn't dig in. I personally have a different theory. I mean, if you, we don't have anything like this in here. How about this? We'll use this. Folks, you can't see this, but I'm reaching for a microphone. But these things were originally designed for the military. And back in the in the late 80s and 90s, like the firearm of choice would have been like an H&K MP5, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a G3, that kind of thing. And the idea is if you're going to actuate the chronograph while you're holding a firearm... You wanna be able to do this. Huh. And and your thumb is gonna pinch while you've still got control of this as opposed to trying to control the weapon with your left hand for most people, and then coming off with the right hand and actuating. This allows you to actuate like this. This and again, you folks, you can't see me doing that, but I would love
0: some folks to weigh in on that too. If anybody has any experience or or would would comment on that, I I think that's a really interesting and, and sort of practical um, you know explanation for that
1: perhaps that is my um my personal theory as to why they did that the majority of shooters there's obviously there's going to be some left-handed shooters but the majority of shooters are going to be right-handed and it allows you to actuate and control the watch that upper left hand quadrant with your dominant hand's thumb and bracing it with your finger while still retaining control of the firearm so i'm into it that's, um, it. that's it so i love this watch and it is just instantly went to my short list
0: well this this is this is essentially matte approved content right here um it's awesome it's it's great and you know i think uh when i look at it first reactions are this is this is zen aesthetic to me right and i know that they do a lot of different things but i when in my head when i think some of the really favorite zen pieces that i know it's it's the white it's the black it's the red and it's tastefully done but those colors go so well together and those to me are instantly zen you know recognizable um, on the left, on the left-hand drive kind of, you know, topic. Um, I don't operate any of my watches on wrist, and so quite frankly, this would be a welcome addition to that because all the crown does and the stoppers to me is dig into my wrist, and so you know, either whatever it's really meant for. Um, I don't
1: operate any of my watches on wrist, and you know, these days, and so. Yeah, I'd be here for it there are a couple of watches well wait as an aside let me back up you know who we should ask to weigh in on this in the notes or whatever or we'll reach out to Joey one of our listeners nine millimeter Musashi yeah. so I, I don't know a hundred percent so sorry dude I'm, I'm putting you on blast pretty sure he's a law enforcement officer former military up in northern California I think he's a firearms trainer he listens to us and supports us a lot Joey thank you for the stickers dude now that I'm saying that, I'm really hoping your name is Joey. I'm a hundred. I'm almost a hundred percent sure, dude. Anyway, um, we also, you know, uh, my friend Ray, um, X rifles. Uh, he might be somebody to ask if, like, hey, this is my theory correct? Like, how how would that work out? Like, if you're wearing the watch on your left wrist, MP5 in your right hand, can you use your thumb and forefinger on your, you know, with your firing grip to do that? But anyway, I. I digress. That immediately this watch has pushed the U50 like to number 2 spot on my radar from Big news. from Zen Big and EZM13 is like right there. So Big I news. love it. It it's 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 a it's a really fantastic
0: piece. I'd love to see it in person. Cool. Maybe on your wrist.
1: <laughs> I I mean it could happen. It's okay, I'm just spending your money, don't worry about it. It could happen, dude. Who knows? Who knows? I still need to get a steel and gold Omega. So, okay. Um. Well, this did that did not push that thought out of your head, so that also oh, no. these are now dual existing, coexisting. Yeah, yeah that's that's going to happen. But the other thing we wanted to talk about, there's some other dive watches that are coming down the pike and special thanks and shout out to, you know, really our friends and basically our favorite local AD for new watches here in Southern California. That's Feldmar. Um, Feldmar and Pico Robertson has been kind enough to give us access when we come in to kind of take a look at a few things here and there. And about a week or so ago, um, along with Seiko, they were kind enough to to let us come in and take a look and maybe take a few pictures of the Black Series dive watches that they're going to be releasing. I think technically they're releasing, they're calling it like March. March. I think they're going to be available for purchase maybe April, May. Okay, so we're talking about another, you know, yeah. four weeks or so, give there, or take. Thereabouts, right. So I was talking to the Seiko rep at the time. And essentially, this is a lineup of four watches. And it's kind of interesting how Seiko does this. This is over and over again. They've got two or three watches in a core range and then another one that's like the next level up. So again, this black series watches, folks, if you can picture this, probably everybody has seen this by now. I think Hodiki, certainly Fratello, has had, uh, had these things out there. And essentially, these are like a black. And I honestly don't know if it's PVD or DLC. Mm-hmm. I didn't think to ask. Um, it is a slightly different process, but these are blacked out versions of, if you want to think of like the skin diver, like the one, the SPB 14X, whether it's 143, 145, 149, like the one in front of you. I like that 14X. That's one. Um, the other one is going to be more like a Willard. Mm-hmm. You know, so the, the new Willard format. And then the third one is going to be like a Marine Master 200. Mm-hmm. So you've seen that big, chonky hockey puck Marine Master 300 that I have. The 200 is the same basic format, and if you look at it top-down, this watch basically looks the same, except it's, it's you know a 200-meter watch, not 300. It's a lot thinner. The way it wears on the wrist, it's a lot more svelte. It is not a monocoque case. Um, And it is just, it's super, super cool. So, the watches that we're talking about, and you've had a chance, I think, to see my pictures, right? There's the SPB 253, the 255, and the 257. So, the 253 is, again, the Skin Diver, Mm -hmm. you know, the H case. The 255 is the Skinny Marine Master. Some people call it a Marine Master 200, um, you know, or... Whatever the nomenclature is, I don't I don't know that there is official one really, and then the two five seven is what I'm calling like the pumpkin Willard, mm-hmm. so it's the the black and orange Willard case. All of these watches have the same tone, you know, the t- same kind of like a slightly shiny black. All of them have the three day six R thirty five movement, which um, in my experience has been a very good movement, and. All of them feature essentially a an orange, and it glows orange too. The oh. yeah in the loom. So the loom is kind of like a greenish blue for the bulk of the watch, and then the minute hand on all of these is orange, mm-hmm. and it, it glows orange too. So it's it's that's really that's pretty rad. Yeah, it's it's cool looking. My favorite of them was the the pumpkin Willard. I think it just takes best to that color. Um, the one thing I have to say, Seiko, if you're listening. Uh, I love the new, the weave on these straps. We got to see this one. Do you remember? Maybe not this watch, but this strap. At the Seiko event with blog to watch at Baltimore? Yes. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was the one with, right, um, Ariel Adams was passing out stuff. And, and, you know, the the Seiko rep here in in this area is Harry. I really like that strap, but it doesn't work with the existing hardware. This is just me, but like that strap is quite a bit thicker And it's got this really cool kind of luxe, you know, I don't know if, if a strap could be elevated, you know, like a NATO strap, that's what this is. But because it's thicker, this, and again, folks, you can't see this, but this thing, when you try to pass this through this second keeper like that, it doesn't fit. It won't go through. It doesn't fit. It's just, there's too much,
0: there's too much thickness to it. Yeah,
1: correct. Mm -hmm. That, that, that strap, you notice whenever you see pictures of press images, it's always laid flat. Mm-hmm. I've never seen it on anybody's wrist, and part of me thinks, yeah, Seiko, please re-engineer the hardware. It needs like an additional maybe two millimeters of clearance, and then you've got an absolute winner. What do you think of these? Have you, you know, you're somebody who's kind of on the fence about dive watches. Would you? Would you rock a black dive watch? I think I would, and um, you know, I haven't. I haven't
0: owned. A black watch in a really long time. And the last time it was a fashion watch, you know, not way before my sort of watch nerd days. And, uh, but I really liked it and it still speaks to me. And these, these, these are, these are hitting the mark. Um, I think the orange and black could come across a little too Halloween, you know, if not done well. Yep. Um, This, this is done well. And so you're getting, you know, the black kind of stealthy, you know, um, that that look, that kind of coolness with a pop of color, but it's done well and it doesn't come across as kind of kitschy. And so um, these are cool. I, w- I, I need to get over there. I need to run over to Feldmar and check them out for myself too. I've only been able to see the pictures. And um, I, think
1: they, I think they did a nice job. Yeah. Now, full disclosure for anybody who's going to listen to this, I don't know. So I got to go in and check these out because... You know, the rep was there and it was, you know, kind of like a a range thing. Um, Everything that I looked at was, you know, non-running sample. I don't believe they're going to be in stores for at least another 30 to 60 days. So... I don't want anybody who's here in Southern California to drop everything and run to Feldmar. I don't think they're going to have them. I just got to check them out early, which is cool.
0: And all we can say, honestly, too, is is you know they have a message you know that you can or you know you can contact for some pre order information, and then that would be something you should be you know looking into if you're if you're serious.
1: Yeah, actually, anybody anybody who is from Southern California or beyond. Um, you want to call Feldmar and ask for Jimmy. <laughs> That's Watch Fiend. And um, they didn't ask us to say this, but uh, Jimmy's a, a Seiko head. He knows what's going on with Seiko. He's down and he can uh, he can sort you out. He's down with the sickness. Yeah, for sure. I So here's the thing. I really like this for what it is. I don't know that I'm the guy for this, but I actually, oddly, I can see you being a customer for this because a dive watch is already kind of a special occasion thing that's kind of a a fun uh you know non-daily wear like for me i'm i probably wear a dive watch of some kind three at least three days a week out of the you know in the work week and almost all the time on weekends so a black watch um i'd be happy to have one of these especially if it was in my lineup like my rotation but if it was my only dive watch eh. I don't know if I could rock that every day. But I mean, it's a good point. And,
0: and and so to your to play off of that, I definitely wouldn't wear a dive watch five days of the week, give or take, right? Um but I, I know I noticed I, I was home a couple extra days this past couple weeks and and especially on the weekend, this is like boom. That's when you throw it on, go out, and so um, I could see I could see how this could fit in for me.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a stunner. For sure, absolutely love that. The other thing, though, that I got to see now, this was not part of the plan. You know, we I went in to go basically to go look at these the black series watches. Oh well, let me circle back and and put a bow on this. So, in typical Seiko fashion, there's one, two, three watches, right, in this core lineup. Again, the SPB two five three, the two five five, and the two five seven. But the outlier piece, like the next level kind of halo piece in this little collection, is an SLA 061. So the SLA is usually a little bit up level in the Prospect series. and this is again a Willard Willard adjacent kind of case. but this watch is going to feature the option to go back and forth um, with a you know a strap or a bracelet. again, all black finished. It's got this textured dial. It is supposed to be reminiscent. I think the way the rep described this to me is, you know, um, you know, if you're on a night dive and you're looking at like the, a sandy bottom, you know, in shallow water, you know, the way the sand kind of makes these patterns as in the tide zone, you know, the, the impact zone of the waves. I don't know. To me, it actually looked like like you know, pre-preg carbon fiber or something like that. Mm. You know, but it was it's this interesting texture. It's definitely an up-level watch. It's got the 8L35 movement, so that's essentially the undecorated Grand Seiko assembled, you know, automatic movement. Definitely a nicer watch but at a higher price tag, 3 grand, whereas the rest are 1200 to 1300. I think, you know, at 1200 to 1300, you know, I'm, most people are going to be all about it. 3000, you have to decide. I'm I'm borderline a completist you know, for Seiko divers. So, like, I'm I'm looking at that, but I don't know.
0: I love, you know, you really got to hats off to Seiko for for really <laughs> encouraging folks in a good way to think about the dial finishing and their perspective, you know, as relates to nature and things that we see out in, in, in life. And, um, you know, some people probably think it's kind of, you know, hooky you know a little bit kind of off the wall or maybe you know contrived and some people are like yeah absolutely i can see that when i'm you know on a night dive or i can see the the lake on a you know, you know in the winter when it's frozen over um but i mean it's it's kind of cool and it's it, it doesn't feel forced and it feels it feels like uh, you know if you're into it then great and if not then that's okay too but um no i just appreciate their you know their 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 approach to that
1: yeah, for sure. Well, and I was I was starting to say a minute ago I went in to look at these black series um, dive watches, but there were a number of other watches that are going to be dropped, and there's I don't I literally there's too many to to list here, but the one that really caught my attention, and I swear to God, if it was real and for sale, I would have walked out with it, and um, that is the upcoming SPB. And sorry guys, Seiko nomenclature is such a it can be a bitch sometimes, but SPB 288. So, guys, remember, you know, a year or so ago, the release of the Ice Divers. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is basically a slightly updated Ice Diver, Willard case. This is a kind of a blue, light blue gradient dial, kind of textured dial. It's gorgeous. But they have done with it what Oris did with the, um, oh, come on, the Diver 65, where they had at least one or two versions of the Diver 65. They just did the bronze on the bezel. They call it the Bico or... Yeah, right. and it's so hot. It's mm-hmm. really sharp. So they've done something similar. In this case, I don't believe it's bronze. I think this is just a gold DLC, but this is a steel dive watch with that great Ice Diver blue dial, and the bezel has this gold tone treatment on the around the coin edge. So... You know, the regular part of the bezel is just normal. In other words, the bezel insert, it's not like the whole bezel and the insert are gold. But around the edges, it's just got this little, what's the term they use? Pop of color. The pop of color. And it it's, I think it's just amazing. Like, it, it looks fantastic. It's sharp. It's yeah. pretty sharp. Yeah. yeah. If you And like, it's fun. If you like what Oris did with that Diver 65 and you like Seiko, you're going to like this one a lot. Two-tones, yeah. like... Back full force, right? I think people have been talking about this for a long time. This is not news
0: to anybody, but nope. I mean, you're seeing it all over the place. I mean, two tones back in action.
1: You know, I'm almost hoping that Buzz from Whiskey and Watches never gets the two tone date just that he talks about because that <laughs> might that might be the high watermark. But at the same time, um, yeah, I think two tone is definitely back. I think gold is definitely back. Uh, there's just a lot of fun. So, well, I mean, geez, I'm looking at a watch across from me. You know, in your lineup, you've got the on loan from a bro. Um, shout out to our buddy Chase Horology 411. But that, you know, that gold uh, Omega. And I'm, I'm, I've been in the market for a two tone, you know, watch now for a while. And who knows? But you know, I'm of an age. Where I, when I started in watches, like you know, liking watches and kind of being aware, you know, in the 80s and 90s, it wasn't ironically cool, that was timely cool, sure. it was real, yeah, of, of the era. And for me, that's always been neat, so anyway. yeah,
0: yeah. Everybody else now basically they feel like when they hit a certain age, they, they get to get minted a, a two tone or a, or a gold watch, <laughs>
1: and, and you know, why not? <laughs> hey, enjoy it, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, so, I don't know. I know you're you're thinking about gold probably a little more on the dress angle. I'm thinking about stealing gold, you know, on the day-to-day tool watch. Um, part of me thinks this is not, you know, part of our, our notes or whatever. But, uh, you know, I've talked multiple times about moving everything into a GMT master. And I'm like, well, why not then just go all in? Like, if I'm going to... If I'm going to do something like that, you know, do you want to go with like a one one six? I think I think the reference is one one six seven one three, which would be like the yeah. ye- yellow gold it's and so lunette noir. It's so good. You know the root beers now though. The new root beers are like in the thirties. It's oh god. Mm, you know, I don't love the new root beers. <gasps>
0: what? I think they're okay. Ah. I think they're okay. I don't, I'm not saying I don't like them. I just, they don't hit me like the old root beers. Mm -hmm. I don't think, I don't think the, the mix on the gold and, and then, and then the brown that they use, it just, it doesn't speak the same language. I don't, I think it's fair to call it a root beer, but it almost doesn't feel like what we know at root beer
1: to be. Yeah. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. There's, there's a different thing. It is more consciously and overtly a luxe item now. Yeah. Um, and the tone is different. Like the, the actual color of the gold is different. It is. and Well, that
0: could be said of the whole GMT Master 2 lineup now for that instance, right? So like, you know, I don't know. We're riffing here, right? But like sub, six-digit sub, five-digit sub. Obviously, they look a little different and there's some material differences. But I mean, you ask a layperson or you just held them in front of you, they don't look that different you hold a six digit GMT master 2 next to a five digit or even of, of course a four digit they're, that's a different language very that's a, that's a, so you're, you you already nailed it that's a lux item versus sort of what you would imagine what we all talk about the tool watch right five digit and before they are those are different to me they're very they I, I don't mean to call out just the the GMT lineup but it's most prominent probably in the GMT master 2 you know the sub still retains sort of the same design language, and they use new materials. The deep sea, you know, I know we're still sort of you know related, but the same thing. Even the Explorer and the uh, the Explorer, well, the Explorer, well, the Explorer two, yep. for instance, is still pretty similar. You know, so I I think the GMT Master has sort of, you know, it's it's kind of put a, 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 a you know a flag in the sand here, and it said this is what we're going to look like now moving forward. And I don't, I think it's a departure in some ways from what it was before. Not good, bad, or different, just a departure.
1: Yeah, I mean, if, if money were no object, I would definitely want to have, you know, a GMT from the early days. And, you know, to your point, isn't it interesting? Like in the, the, in the GMT world, you know, there's six-digit, which is what it is, mm-hmm. um, which I like. But, I mean, it's a different thing. And there's five-digit, but there's so many different flavors of five-digit. You know, it's like, okay, is it, is it a GMT-2? You know, is it, uh, you know, what's quick set? Is it, you know, uh, independent, you know, local hour? 3185, is is 3186,
0: what caliber what were we talking set about? Quick
1: date, right? Is it, uh, you know, the fat lady? Uh, you know, that kind of thing. So many different flavors of that era. I mean, that was probably a pretty, oh, gee, I'm going to test my memory. But I mean, you know, there certainly at least two decades of GMTs um, that were like that, and you know, and some of these runs were parallel in terms of production, so you could have a GMT and a GMT two at the same time. Yeah. Um, to me, GMT two is the only thing. I mean, uh, you know, I'd have to have a GMT two if I could only have one. I'd have to have the, a GMT two because that's a real GMT in right. my mind. That's what they always should have made if they had the technology and the know-how. It's the only thing that makes sense is a jumping local hour. Um but if if I could, I'd have both. Yeah. I mean if I could, I'd collect all GMT. <laughs> we wow. should we should do an episode, I know other pods have done it. We should do an episode of like collecting one brand or mm-hmm. collecting one model within a brand.
0: Well I think that's an interesting I think that would be a lot of fun. And and, and it also would test you know we talk a lot about definitions and dogmas and you know whatever that would test i think what you really call a watch collector i would not if i really had to be honest with myself i would not call myself a watch collector i consider myself a collector you said i'm a completist earlier somebody who might be a collector has the intention in my in my thought the intention to complete something and i guess in, if you really want to be loose with it you can say i'm going to complete my collection that makes me a collector doesn't matter if they're not serial or they're not all one thing it doesn't matter i guess you could just say this is just what my collection is i'm going to complete it um but i guess you know when i think of of a collector i think somebody who's going to have all the speedies that they think are important to collect they're going to have all the gmt masters that they think are important to collect they're going to have all the whatever it is right um so that'd be kind of fun too to kind of riff on that a
1: little bit oh yeah i there's other people have said it's smarter than me, but pretty much every brand makes something I like. Even the brands that I find kind of distasteful. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's out there. I'm like you. I don't. I don't consider myself a collector. Um, I'm an accumulator. I'm an yeah. enthusiast. Addict. I have, I have more than one of something that is already superfluous. So I mm-hmm. guess that's, you know, for the average person that's collector. But how esoteric is that? Like we have to argue in our in our <laughs> hobby of what constitutes a collector. You know, somebody like that dude Singer who's like, well, every time a new model comes out, I commission one in every medal mm-hmm. from Patek. Okay. No, no. that's a collector yeah. but on the other hand that's like okay that's that's almost tedious like okay so you just you have everything in the catalog got it um i don't know but anyway you know going back to what we're talking about it was fantastic of feldmar to allow me to come in to take a look at that so guys thank you very much thank you jimmy thank you jamie uh and thank you harry for letting me take a look at that stuff. There are certainly some things on the short list and that I've never wanted a Willard, some kind of modern Willard, more. I was really skeptical because I didn't think that that style of watch would work on a bracelet, and I have to have a bracelet as an option. Uh, It's a very good watch. And to build on that, hopefully what we
0: continue to do is make some sort of informed opinions or reactions when holding these things in the metal. And this is not a dig at anybody, but it's so easy, but also sort of not super, not all the way informed to see stock photos, right, or to see things released on Instagram and say, this is cool, this is lame, this works, this doesn't. I think a lot of people, you know, including some of the people that we talk to and and converse with and listen to. always say, wait until you get it in your hand, on your wrist, right? And then all of a sudden, your opinions, your reactions might be a little different. And so, you know, the fact that we're able to get some of these pieces, touch them, feel them, see them, um, experience them, and then make some informed judgments and then hopefully share it with people is a way to, you know, that we will continue to go.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's right. So
0: it's just really easy to say, hey, here's the latest PR release, or I saw this on XYZ blog. I think it's cool or I think it's lame. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. That's why it makes this hobby fun, right? There's a lot of passion in
1: it. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to ask you a question. I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this, but you just, you hit like three words, blog, uh, lame, and fun. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so blog and lame don't describe this outlet, right? But on Fratello, so well, let me back up. So our first episode of this year was i don't remember exactly what we entitled it but port it was in a storm ba- it was basically yeah, port in a storm mm-hmm. you know is this our winter of our discontent that kind of thing and just talking about all the negativity and the hype and how to uh, escape it so i i look at here's my this is literally this is my ritual most mornings is i i wake up i pad into the kitchen i grab a cup of coffee it's like you know maybe just before 6 a.m i come back and i literally hop in back into bed with my coffee and the ipad and I check out the news, I see where the carriers are or whatever, you know, that's kind of, that's, I'm weird like that. And then um, I check out the watch sites. So I, I look at Hodinkee, maybe not every day, but like every other day, I look at Fratello every day. And Fratello and some other places too really seem to have, and I'm, I'm sure they're not getting this from us, but it's interesting how it seems to be permeating the zeitgeist, which is... A funny choice of words because that means spirit of time, but um, that, how many German phrases have we hit on today? I uh, I don't know. Well, oh, that's wow. one. Schwarzbeer. beer. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. That's different. But um, you know, they've had a number of pieces over the past several weeks about alternatives to X, and X has pretty much always been, in some cases, you know, overtly named as mm-hmm. like a Rolex watch that you could get. Two or three four years ago and now you can't so you know alternative to 36 millimeter explorer alternative to gmt alternative to uh you know a daytona whatever i i want to say robert yan even had a story that was just straight up about like the crushing of watch streams Mm, i did actually read that one yeah and you know the how hype and investorship and that sort of thing is kind of ruining the hobby we talked a little bit earlier about putting a, maybe a stake in the ground. You know, we get it. I mean, we we talk about it. We'll probably keep talking about it. But it feels like there's an oppressive amount of negativity and a feeling of like unobtainium and weirdness in the hobby. You know, what do you think we can do going forward to make the hobby fun? Like what, what can somebody listening to this podcast and the other podcasts that, you know, are part of our orbit, you know, so the... Well, you know, you know who you are, basically, you know, the, uh, uh, yeah, all the people that we, you know, we share 10 and two and wrist cheese and whiskey and watches and, um, you know, gray NATO, et cetera. How can, what advice would you give to somebody who wants to just enjoy the hobby again? So
0: I'll preface it by saying it's, it's not wrong, right. To talk about it. It is true. Uh, in fact, just this afternoon I was having a, a text conversation with a, a really good friend who's not really on social or doesn't do any of the pods and stuff and he recently found a brand that he was really into now I'll just say LaVenture or LaVenture. oh yeah those are hot super cool um but in many ways kind of like the Ming releases and a few of these other really hot you know independent or whatever you want to call them really hard to get right if you're not
1: plugged in on day one minute one you're done you're, yeah and you're done
0: and um, so he's probably less into this the, this conversation than, than we are because we're plugged into it probably on a daily basis. But, you know, the, the comment was, oh, man, this is, you know, hype, ho- hype culture really kills it for me. Like, I you know, I love this watch, whatever it is, XYZ, but ugh, if I have to wait around and I can't get it or I got to plug in at, you know, the drop date and hope that I my click is on the right millisecond, you know. And, um, and my comment was sort of, yeah, you know, this is sort of the consumerism that has entered the hobby, and and he collects other things. So anybody who's a collector of anything will say this too. That's kind of where we are right now in the world. Um, I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent, but the point is I guess that this little niche hobby, which was very niche, which was very sort of contained, which seemed probably pretty accessible if you had the funds, right? Has, be, has entered mainstream, has entered hype culture, has entered sort of, you It's know, a lifestyle now. It's a lifestyle. So all that we fully acknowledged. Now, if I park that in one place and kind of move beyond it, I think what you're maybe referring to, and what I, I felt at least over the last few weeks, is there's been a lot of content about what you just described—the sort of your alternative, or hey, Rolex sucks because, or hey, I can't get this drop because—and I'm glad that people are documenting it because if you're new to the hobby. You should know that that's not how it always was, that there was a time and a place and there are people and brands and, and outlets that don't really participate or don't actively build that up. So you should know that, but it's almost become the default. It's so easy right now to say, oh my gosh, can you remember when five years ago you could just walk in and buy XYZ from the display case? I've heard that story ad nauseam. I get it, I appreciate it, I, I, I'm i experiencing it too. We've lived it. We've lived it, right? So. It's almost become like the default content, and I'm not hating on it. I'm not not criticizing it, you know. But I think what you asked was, how do we move the conversation forward, right? And then right. to your point, I think what that means is, let's talk about cool stuff. Let's talk about stuff you can buy. Let's talk about stuff that's new or different or fresh or um, you know things that we could celebrate in some way. And so that's what we did. I think on on that episode that you're referencing. What are some really cool stuff that people really aren't talking about? If you take out, you know, whatever you want to call them, the Holy Trinity plus, you know, Rolex, et cetera, blah, 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 blah. There's some really cool watchmaking stuff going on. And we're at, I think, a place and a time where options are galore. And you could really find some amazing things that fit your budget, that fit your style, that fit whatever amount of originality or uniqueness you're looking for, um... And go find those go celebrate them and we should too and and if that means helping lead somebody to something that they weren't aware of or they thought maybe this was the route but it's not possible for whatever plethora of reasons you want to talk about then maybe you you, you kind of help steer them in a way that that speaks to them and so what does that mean like you said like we said on that episode what are cool stuff that nobody's talking about or what are what are things that you can go out and buy that's going to make you super happy and um at the end of the day, if what's going to make you happy is the thing that's really hard to get or the thing that is part of the hype culture, more power to you. No problem with it. Not going to hate on it.
1: Yeah, that's actually, that's probably a good way to put it because, you know, for all of the, the preening and posturing, not that the complaining or, or the feeling of, you know, uh, the I don't know what we call it, struggle sessions, but it's nice on the one hand to feel validated and that other people are feeling our pain Definitely. and observing the same thing. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's like, okay, it's A, it's time to move on. But B, if I'm, there's no hiding it. I mean, if I got a call tomorrow that say, hey, I've got a GMT master here with your name on it at retail, um, you know, I, I'm not done with Rolex, <laughs> you know, but. I got
0: to go, honey, I'll be home in like a couple hours.
1: <laughs> right. Click. <laughs> so, you know, you've got to like be able to square that circle sure. in your mind one thing, so I totally agree with everything you said. I would say, too, the other thing is a lot of people have said, you know, there's two types of people that I think have come in to watch them in the past couple of years. One is people who are looking for, not to use this expression again, but a port in a storm financially mm-hmm. that have discovered watches as an investment vehicle. It's like yeah. a class of investment. Oh, I've not seen which things on like Forbes lately where it, oh, Rolex yeah. is outperforming the market. Like, oh my gosh. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that, that's crazy. This is not for you. If you're listening and you're probably not, you know, you're probably one of the watch fam. If you're listening to our little pod, that does not apply to you. I get it. But if you're somebody who's come to watches in the past, maybe three or four years and have really gotten serious about it, maybe in the past two, especially because pandemic has like kind of closeted your world and you've been cabined to, you know, Hey, I've got X amount of money that I'm no longer spending on going out. I'm no longer spending on vacations. I'm no longer spending on like, you know, fun dates or whatever. And I've got all this time on my hands to explore watches and this new nascent hobby. All I can say is, as things start to normalize, God, I hope normalize, I'm knocking on wood, in the next few months, get out there. If I could offer one piece of advice, find people in real life, get out of the, the bubble, the echo chamber of the blogs and the web and even people like us right in the podcast world Meet real people in your local communities, check out their watches, go to get togethers and see other things and all the different things you can discover that you can start to enjoy that doesn't involve hype. And some of it's going to be expensive and some of it will probably involve pursuit, you know, or you might have to be on top of things. You know, Laventure is a great example, you know, mm-hmm. that, um, or Ming. Mm-hmm. Ming. Ming is hype, sorry. And even, even something like, you know, a Baltic now.
0: Mm. Baltic has entered
1: that yeah, sphere but, you know um, whatever that's worth yeah you know uh, and I mean good on them sure. you know it's cool design and good watches yeah, business sense but yeah, you know. know when you go to um, when you go to a, a live get together and you you know find some you know old crusty dude who's got these old cool military watches or somebody who's you got you describe yourself because I don't really have a bunch of that <laughs> I, just, I mean I want to <laughs> It you aspire is, to be an old crusty it, it, with old military it, watches. There's, a, there's an episode of The Simpsons where they they meet all of Homer's family, and it's all these extended family cousins and stuff. And one of them is like a guy who's like, I you know, I play rich people at parties. Or at least I wish I did. You know, <laughs> So, yeah, there, there's just so much cool stuff out there. And as things open up and you can go, and like I said, if you're that person who's, you know, two to three years into the watch hobby and hasn't had a lot of exposure to, like, the live get-togethers, man, your world is about to just open up like crazy and just keep an open mind to stuff beyond... You know, beyond Rolex and Trinity brands and and the latest hype train stuff, you're going to find stuff like old Enicar and, you know, gold Omega pie pans from 40 years ago and, you know, Zen and cool, like, you know, uh, uh, literally like, you know, heavily patinated seiko dive watches from the 80s that like were issued you know to the navy or something yeah there's a lot of great stuff out Independence, there Independence, you know they're, they're
0: oscar and weiss and oh yeah you know all kinds of stuff that are super interesting and then you know and if you're not maybe maybe you can't get out somewhere or maybe there's nobody around you that you know you can meet up with and so i think to your point mad it takes a little bit of effort but go search it out right like don't let the algorithm just deliver you you know the top five hashtags of the day right like go yeah find things that speak to what your taste is and then like investigate it
1: yeah and find brands that you know are willing to come to you you know like oris or weiss Um, you know oris uh, whiskey and watches guys finally talked about you know their the ski trip and checking out you know all the new watches and things like that and Oris I think has this great thing, you know, that they're doing and I I think they're kind of cloning it, you know, where they take the airstream trailer and they they cruise around to places that might not, you know, be super, you know, heavily urbanized. That's a good point. point. They call it the Oris Bear. That's the Oris Bear case. Oris Oris bear is is part of that. And you know, the, the Essentially, this Airstream is like a. I don't think they actually sell watches out of it, but the idea is. It's I like, think they do actually. Do they? Well, I don't know. I'm. Out I, I'm turn. speculating. I'm yeah, out I don't know turn. either. But you know, the idea that they're any brand that is on a mission to make themselves more accessible to you. I mean, duh, they want to sell watches. I get it. But they're they think of their customers in a way that clearly indicates they have respect for the people who are buying their product. The end of the day, I don't care how many millions of dollars you have. Rolex does not care who you are. No, they never will. You know, um, yeah. So anyhow, kind of a little bit the opposite.
0: So it's Oscar season, right? Yes. And for all the movie buffs out there, and I don't know if it means anything more because you know we're in LA or whatever, but just feels like you always want to know what's sort of up for the awards, right? Right. Uh, and, and and so I've been trying to be thoughtful about getting through some of them and, and quite frankly I just I, I, I'm in a, in a place lately where I like to watch a movie now rather than committing myself to 10 or 12 or even more episodes of something from a time commitment but also sort of a payoff perspective I guess right um, so anyway a couple of recent ones and none of these are new new but um, just kind of my thoughts and perspectives on them um, don't look up okay I've heard yeah heard of it didn't like it at all Interesting. Didn't like it at all. I had high hopes. You know, the cast is big. Um, I thought the. I actually thought it started off interesting, and I thought the the, the kind of execution was pretty cool. But it just got. And people can come
1: at me if they like. I just thought it was so heavy-handed. So in the, I, in the commentary, I heard the same thing. I heard a lot of people. Well, I say a lot, like three or four people who like seemed like they loved it. You know, and but then a lot of the commentary that I heard in the maybe the, the week or so after was. You know, at some point, like you can, you can go too far with an idea and just be really heavy handed. Even if you agree with it, it, you know, maybe deep down, it's the kind of thing where it's like, eh, you know, yeah, it's, it's not entertaining. It's not clever. And that's, that's what I've heard about that as well. Yeah, and I get it.
0: Listen, if you're trying to drive home a point, the last thing you're, you're trying to do is, is, is use nuance, right? Like yeah. that's not what you're going for. Uh, and I respect it. I appreciate it. I just, I, I, I couldn't. By the end of it, I was I, I was just kind of let's get this over with. Um, so we'll see. I, I don't think it should win any awards, quite frankly. And
1: anybody I've talked to who loves movies doesn't think it's award worthy. But we'll see. You know, I think probably a lot of the hype around it is the personalities associated with yes. the project, and it's one of those things where people who don't maybe pay the greatest attention, they're like, oh, who's attached? Oh, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, okay, big people. Uh, you know, th- that'll get my my vote, or you know, I'll check that box, or I'll hit the like button without actually, you know, watching. I mean, if you ever saw the movie Wag the Dog back in the day, yeah, I remember you know. That one. I mean, that um that had a lot of, you know, heavy hitters and in retrospect, right, it was very timely and kind of interesting, but I mean, the movie kind of sucked. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, eh, okay. Spe-
0: Speaking of dog, I also watched The Power of the Dog and that was good. It was good. I thought it was a better movie. Speaking from a cinematography perspective, it's gorgeous, right? It's set in Montana. You know, it's the 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 year is supposed to be nineteen twenty five, give or take. Um, And I think it was directed quite well. Um, I'm not gonna give away any spoilers here, but at the end of it, I just kept I kind of wondered to myself, like, "Mm, what just happened,
1: right? Like, did enough happen to warrant being really, really excited about this movie? So I didn't um, see that one, so I can't like agree or disagree or like nod knowingly yeah but i'll I'll have to take your word for it or we'll talk offline about yeah
0: it. I, I think it's worth watching um <laughs> don't look up, I don't think is quite frankly worth watching <laughs> yeah. power of the dog I thought was worth watching but uh, at the end of the day, I also don't know that it's a and it seems to be a front runner for a lot of things um I don't know if it speaks to the field or or I mean we're going off on a tangent but sort of the award process itself is
1: maybe an yeah. interesting topic but well, a couple then, of movies that were,
0: yeah, okay.
1: So this isn't what I'm going to recommend as like my you know final note thing, but we I went and saw with the exception of No Time to Die, I saw the first movie. This basically the second movie I've seen in theaters, but the th- first movie I saw with my wife a few days ago um, on maybe the day after opening day, we went and saw Death on the Nile. Oh. And. I read that book when I was a kid. When I say when I was a kid, I mean like a little kid, like 11 or 12 or whatever. So it's it's hard to really remember how true or how accurate. I was kind of into that genre at, at a young age. I don't remember how true it is to the book and to the, the you know telling of the story the way I remember. For instance, the same sort of um, Kenneth Branagh vehicle. If you've ever seen the movie, I think it was about three years old now, um, Murder on the Orient Express. Yep. So that is very good the way they remade that I think the production is good the story is good it, it's everything is tight but it feels fun it's neat it's visually neat despite the fact that it's like it's this really you know small environment it's basically like a stage play on a train yeah um, this is the same kind of thing. I thought it was good. Um, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. If it's Gal Gadot or Gal Gadot or whatever. I think Gadot is right. Yeah, that's how I would say it. Um, you know, not unattractive. Uh, she's like very compelling in the in the role that she plays. I don't know. It's cool. So that's fun if you like that kind of thing. It's just big, expansive. I don't know how much of it is CGI, but it's cool. But what I'm actually going to recommend is a book that I've started. I'm about halfway through it. Um, it's not timely, uh, and it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea, but it's called First Casualty. Um, in fact, I'm I'm going to probably DM when we're done. Uh, watches of Espionage, you know that feed. Yeah, that, of course. Yeah. So I've I've been back and forth. That's a great feed, by the way. That's its own recommendation. Watches of Espionage. It's very good. But um, First Casualty is a book by a, a British journalist. I think this guy was in the Royal Navy, so he's got some military experience. His name is Toby Harndon. And it basically talks about the run-up to the events of and then the immediate aftermath of 9-11 in Afghanistan. So the events mm-hmm. in Afghanistan and in the stands, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, some of the personalities involved with the Northern Alliance and that sort of thing. And there's, you know, as far as I've gotten into the book, there's a pretty significant focus on... Um, You know, the the first casualty that I think people are aware of in Afghanistan, when you think of a person, is, you know, um, a CIA operator, officer. I don't know exactly. It's not super clear if he was a case officer or a paramilitary. I think he's a paramilitary, but I remember reading different things in open source. So I don't know if that gets changed for the book or not, but I'm assuming he's ground branch special activities division guy But, you know, a young officer in Afghanistan in the first maybe 60 days of our involvement post 9-11. And, you know, he is killed by Al-Qaeda in a prison uprising. So he goes there thinking everything is secure. Things go sideways. And, you know, there's there's a lot of other things, too. I mean, it talks about the buildup of, you know, the Taliban. It talks about the personalities in the Northern Alliance and the constantly shifting, you know, allegiances. There's some, you know... uh, Talk about what the CIA did in the run-up to and in the aftermath. It's just an interesting book, and you know we're 20 odd years past, you know that really important point in our history. It feels like things are really kind of, you know, ramping up again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in different parts of the world. And on the one hand, part of me wants to just be like la 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 watches and and beer and nothing <laughs> bad happens. But you know, reading this book kind of reminds me that. It's a, a real world. It's different, and yeah. So anyway, first casualty, uh, Toby Harden. I'm listening to it, um, but you know it's a good read so far. That's cool.
0: That's yep. great. Well, it's uh, like you said. You know, it's a fun, privileged hobby to to be you know engaged with people, and we've made great relationships. And you know, at the end of the day, there's you know, real talk.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, dude, this has been a good one. I'm glad to actually see you live. It was worth waiting a little longer to do a uh, to do an episode like in catch up mode. All and good things are worth waiting for. Yeah, you know what's going to be worth waiting for is beer from whiskey and watches. Pay up! <laughs> <laughs> Cheers.